Well, I'm pretty sure that as we prepare and wrestle with the text, most preachers pray that God will give us inspiration and whatever God would have us to share. And I'm pretty sure that many preachers suffer from a sense of personal inadequacy. I know I do. But to preach from such a text this morning only provokes the conundrum we preachers face. Suffice it to say that we all need the help of God as we contemplate the mystery and majesty of the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our scripture text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the professors at the seminary I attended, Brian Blount, who is now the president at Union Theological Seminary, tells this story from his childhood. When he was a young boy, six or seven years old, Brian woke up to go to the bathroom. He walked back to his bedroom when he noticed that his parents' door was ajar. He could hear voices, quiet voices. Curious, he walked right past his room and peeked into theirs. He was shocked by what he saw. He had never seen his parents like this. They were kneeling on the ground beside the bed. They were praying together. When Brian tells this story to a crowd, he scolds them, saying, get your minds out of the gutter. I share this story with you this morning because it's a picture of how a little boy learned something new about his parents. He saw his mom and dad in a new light. And in our text this morning, Peter, James, and John saw their Lord in a new light. They learned something new about Jesus, and they were shocked by what they saw. They had never seen him like this. At first glance, we hear about the details of the event, the transfiguration. The story is found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain, and there, Jesus was transfigured before them. In this context, transfigured means that his face glowed, and his clothes became as white as the light. Some details in the text are included, such as who were present, and other details were omitted, 
Like, how did his clothes turn white? But we do get the sense that something remarkable happens here. Something out of the ordinary. And we can almost hear Peter saying, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Now, the word transfigured comes from the Greek verb metamorphothi, from which we get the word metamorphosis. Think caterpillar to butterfly. Now, this is not a magic trick on the top of the mountain. The word transfigured is written in a passive voice, and whatever happened on the mountain happens by the hand of God and God alone. The transfiguration is God's way of saying, look, it's me, Jesus. The trio, Peter, James, and John, see the transfigured Jesus before their very eyes. The face glowed and the clothes washed in bleach. And if you're thinking this is an odd story, buckle in because it gets even stranger. God places Moses and Elijah, the great lawgiver and the great prophet, beside the shining Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promises. And they were talking. And that's when we hear words we can finally understand. Peter is speaking. Hey guys, it's so good to be here today. Why don't I put up three dwellings and we can all stay here? Now we have to keep in mind that right before Jesus takes the trio up the mountain, Jesus told the disciples that he would be betrayed and die. And furthermore, Jesus reminds them that discipleship might be really hard. So here on the mountain with the Messiah, this sounds a whole lot better than the suffering and death talk Jesus was talking about a few days prior. Some commentators throw Peter under the bus, but quite frankly, who wants to go into the world where kids have to practice active shooter drills at school, where disease is rampant, where people suffer and die, where children's bellies are growling because they don't have enough food, and where violence is highlighted on the evening news all over the world? I know, I know. Peter's outburst seems silly, lighthearted, maybe not too thoughtful or deep. But let's not be too smug to think we wouldn't say something similar to what Peter said. Apparently, Peter's desire to set up camp wasn't appreciated. Instead, God interrupted. Matthew says that a bright cloud overshadowed them while Peter was still speaking. And the voice of God interrupts from a cloud saying, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, we should all feel uncomfortable. Does God ever interrupt us? Do we listen? Do we even notice? Here in our text, it's almost as if the disciples needed a reminder that God cannot be contained restrained, or compartmentalized. Though we may try, we cannot put God in a box, in a tent, in a house, or even in a church. God is everywhere, and we are made in God's image, not the other way around, meaning God is not made in our image. Well, we would all be alarmed if we heard a voice from the cloud above, and as expected, Peter, James, and John were terrified. And Jesus said, get up, don't be afraid. Now here in our text, get up is more than just get up. The word used here is the same verb Matthew uses to describe the resurrected Lord. 
In the 28th chapter of Matthew, the women who came to the tomb were greeted by an angel who said, Do not be afraid. He is not here, for he has been raised. So a more literal translation here is, be raised up. In other words, have faith even when we cannot see it or even believe it yet. Get up. Be raised up. Don't be afraid. Whether we acknowledge it or not, change often brings about fear. Fear of losing someone we love. Fear of something that comes with what we want and what we have to give up. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the next chapter of our lives. Whatever you are going through right now, just stop and breathe. Listen to him. Let's put our own agendas aside so we can try to listen to God's voice and embrace both the mystery and the majesty of the Lord God Almighty. For James, John, and Peter, they realized who they were dealing with. They were on holy ground. And then Matthew tells us something remarkable. Jesus walked over to the disciples and touched them. He touched them, which I find stunning. The God who created the heavens and the earth is willing to come among us and touch us in the place of our deepest need. One commentator reminds us that human fear is diminished by a simple touch. John Calvin refers to this as God's great genius. He wrote, in Christ, God made himself little in order to accommodate himself to our capacity. That's a long way from the distant, mysterious God in heaven to the thought of God's gracious hand reaching out to touch us so that we may know we are not alone. Surgeon and writer Dr. Richard Seltzer describes a remarkable moment he witnessed one day in the hospital. He writes, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish. A tiny twig of the facial nerve, the one to the muscles of her mouth, has been severed to remove the tumor in her cheek. I had cut the little nerve. The young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed. Together, they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Will my mouth always be like this, she asks. Yes, I say, it will. It is because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. He bends to kiss her crooked mouth. I am so close I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate her, to show her that their kiss still works. I hold my breath and let the wonder in. Let's not worry so much about the details of what actually happened that day on the mountain. 
Simply think of it as God's hand reaching out to touch us in our brokenness, in our need, our loneliness, our fear, and saying in love, no matter how broken you are, no matter how lost you feel, you are loved. Listen to him. Be raised up. Don't be afraid. I wonder what the disciples were thinking while coming down the mountain. What a day, right? But Jesus was on a mission, and his disciples were called to follow him down the mountain to do his work. More healing, more teaching, more restoring, more inspiring, more transforming. The thing is, it is good to be here this morning to worship the living God. It is. But the real worship begins at the end of the benediction. We listen to God when we fulfill our purposes on this earth. Healing, serving, singing, praying, fighting for justice, teaching, managing, building, cleaning, sewing, researching, writing, parenting, helping others in special ways only you can do. That's why we can't stay on the mountain. We are called to fulfill our purposes on this earth. The transfiguration story reminds us that God has a mission for each one of us and for the church, the church universal and right here at First Presbyterian Church of Fort Lauderdale. Friends, how do we listen to God, not only individually, but as a church? What keeps you and what keeps me and what keeps the church universal and this church from listening to God? What does Jesus say to you when you take the time to listen? What are you afraid of? How do you respond to Jesus' calling? How can we move from fear to peace? I invite you to reflect on your answers to these questions this week. I think the tension here is the inclination to stay on the mountain, in the glitz where things are going well, while at the same time, down here in the valley, there is suffering, persecution, poverty, violence, disease, grief, loneliness, and tragedy. How do we maintain belief in the power of God? And how do we follow the calling of Jesus when the power of culture and other human forces seem to pull us away? It is good for us to be here today on what the church calls Transfiguration Sunday. We are wrapping up the season of Epiphany and entering Lent on Wednesday. I like to call it Swing Sunday because we are swinging from Epiphany into Lent. My first shift working as a chaplain was called the Swing Shift. I was working in the trauma unit and the purpose of implementing and staffing the Swing Shift was to ease the transition from the early hours of the day, which were mostly manageable, to the evening hours where the accidents, shootings, and everybody's brother seemed to end up in the ER. The swing shift was an overlap for the shifts on either side and assured that the patients would have continuity of care without huge gaps. 
The season of Epiphany is observed as a time of focusing on the mission of the church in reaching others by revealing and sharing who Jesus is. Transfiguration Sunday is the great reveal and prepares our hearts and minds for what is coming. We're about to enter the season of Lent where we intentionally invite God to interrupt, call, empower, inspire, and transform us. And Swing Sunday equips us for the journey ahead. Sometimes life gets scary, and we are reminded that someone is standing in the cloud with us, shining so brightly that we may not be able to wrap our minds around, but who is worth listening to? And remember, please repeat after me, listen to him, be raised up, don't be afraid. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this odd and wonderful story of how you reach out and touch us in our brokenness. Help us to embrace your mystery and majesty. And Lord, guide us down the mountain that we may be ambassadors of your grace, your love, and your peace. Lord, give us courage in all that we say and do, and may we give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.